Good evening. What an amazing opportunity to hear for such amazing speakers, so thank you so much. I am Barbara Lucas. Um, I am going to be moderating our panel discussion tonight, so that will be the final part of our night together. So um, just a little bit about me. I am a marriage and family therapist. I've had the opportunity to implement and super clinically supervise the um, counseling program at Dave's Place, which is a community impact center of Christian fellowship that was founded by Faye Kendrick, which I will introduce to you formally later. This is really an important night for us, and, and these, these topics that we're talking about tonight, they really matter, and, and we're, we're all sitting up here tonight because we care about justice, we care about reconciliation, we care about God and, and, and what his call is and his will is, and so we just want to really make sure that we, I'm sorry, that we really express tonight that this is not a conversation that we want to end tonight. We are hoping that this conversation really is going to be an ongoing one that stretches beyond these walls um, and that we continue to engage each other with that. So with that being said, we would love to know who is here tonight. So in front of you on your pews, you should have some sign-in sheets um, or clipboards. And so if you wouldn't mind filling those out um, and writing your name on them and passing them down the rows, that would be really helpful for us to know who came tonight as well as offer you some resources. Um, so what we are actually going to do tonight is open this up for some Q&A. We have had some, again, amazing speakers. Um, in the panel that we have tonight, um, you have already heard from three speakers. We have Dr. Michael Emerson, Pastor Stan Archie, and Pastor Tom Nelson. We also have Faye Kendrick, who is the director of Dave's Place. She is also... Um, the president of Footprints, which is an organization that serves veterans and those afflicted with, addi with addiction. Um, she, and like I said, she is the director of Dave's Place, where we have an opportunity to do some counseling here. And we also have Pastor Bill Gorman, who is the campus pastor here at Brookside. So I'm going to go ahead and open it up for any questions. So who would like to ask the first question of our panel tonight? Yes, thank you. Uh, this question is for anybody that would like to address it. Um, how do you, that is, if you do think that the corporate community could fit into this possible change in reaching out and helping people out? I guess everybody's looking at me. Uh, <laughs> now, you said, now, the, which community you say? Corporate, Corporate community. Uh, corporations. Corporations. I, I think that the, the first thing I would probably really think about is, uh, as churches, if the corporate community within a church community kind of got together and had their mission to bring the insight to a global community of believers. So you would have things like, okay, what is one of the reasons that keep, that would make uh, people who are not represented in our corporation, uh, what would make them more attractive to the corporation? You know, things, uh, the, you know, because you know the corporate culture. And what's happened is a lot of people don't know the corporate culture. One of the things that I was responsible for when I went to Sprint and uh, Sprint primarily hired me because they needed black people, so my black privilege worked for me uh, <laughs> at the time that I went there. But they needed more black people because they had a government contract. But a lot of black folks walking into that environment 
were just not a cultural fit. And so I had to spend a lot of time really working with them to make them a greater cultural fit. And some of them have made great career, careers and, and have made a lot more money than me because, because they got the drift of it and they began to grow from there. So I think that what corporate, corporate community can do is have those kind of conversations to say, why are we not fairly representative uh, with Christians and with Christians of multicultural capacity so that we can bring to the table people who, who fit? And I would say on that as well, from just a, let's just take a, a theological trajectory of bringing theology and economics together. Many Christians have a category for Christ's deep heart for compassion, and that needs to continue to be nurtured. What many of us do not have, and this is across all ethnicities, is the co compelling call from Scripture of capacity building. It's, it's like the same kind of leveraging your privilege. So as corporate people are working, is thinking not only compassion and inclusion, but how do we help build capacity, economic capacity, for others who may not have that? So I mean, that's, I'm just saying that category, I think, helps us think through all across our vocational spaces, are we nourishing compassion? Because here's, here's one of the great challenges. If you have compassion without capacity, it's frustration. And many Christians have, I hope, a proper heart of compassion for the vulnerable and the marginalized. What many also don't have is the capacity, and I like, love the language Stan does, not just monetize capacity, it's also influence and access. But I mean, I would just say, thinking through as followers of Jesus, wherever we are, particularly in a corporate context, it should be about wealth creation. Right? That's part of the mission. How do we bring that? And that deals with entrepreneurship and so forth. So I'm just saying that category, I think we're trying to do across the nation for Christians to think thoughtfully about intentional capacity building as well. Yeah. Both are important. Heartfelt compassion, economic capacity. It's like the conversation about lawn care. Mm -hmm. Thinking through how crucial it is to help others out of love and neighborly love to give them opportunity for developing their own economic capacity. And, and just one other thing I would mention also is um, one, of the, one of the greatest benefits that I've received from people who I have connected with and loved who are in the corporate world are, are seats at the table. Uh, when somebody says to me, listen, I'm, I'm going to be at a board meeting, and I know you haven't had this experience, and this is when I'm in my early years of pastoring, and they said, I would like to invite you to come in. Now, you've got to keep your mouth shut and stay back there, but we'll talk about it after you get through. But, but, but it exposed me to a culture that I would never have seen. And since then, I've been invited to and served on boards at the highest level in our country, simply because I learned at, in my 20s by sitting behind someone else who, who had done it for a while. Thank you. We have a question here in the front. I have a question. It's great that we talk about all what we talked about tonight. But when do we go back to the basics? When does it become about us, everybody in this room that are Christians, about doing what we're called to do? Matthew 28. 
has nothing about in that chapter there about economics, whatever we discussed here tonight. It's about go out, teaching them what I've taught you. I live on St. John. 126 people lost their lives in the city last year. And the highest percentage of them was right out my front door. How, as a white Christian, dealing with a high percentage of African Americans, how do I reach out? How do I get them to trust me? I grew up on both sides of the fence. I guess I'm one of the ones that are lucky that you talk about. I had family that would make phone calls on my behalf. Wasn't always a Christian. I was a bad boy back in the day. And my family knew who to call. But now I know the truth. And this is what I see. I feel the need that if we take care of the inside, the heart, the ones that are picking up guns and killing people for no apparent reason than other than they don't like what they said or whatever the case may be, and we deal with the heart, all this will fall into place on its own. Now, if I could begin to answer that a little bit, I think that if you look at Matthew 28, the command is teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So the way God has taught us to live, the way we see them living in Acts, the way we see all these different things are happening, that's also part of the commission. I think part of our challenge is that we have for a long time only picked salvation. So once you're on your way to heaven, then you're good. Uh, when, when what Jesus did with his disciples is he hung out with them for a little while so that his privilege became a part of their life walk. And so I think I think that while we do have to make sure that salvation, the internal element, is a part of our, our, our relationship with people, I think we, we can uh, demonstrate a biblical alternative for living that starts in the most practical ways. And I think that is part of the calling of Matthew 28. It is it's not only get them saved, but it's teaching them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That means from, uh, from addressing the issue of teenage pregnancy to the fact that you're carrying around a gun and cussing people out. I mean, those are, Christ said something about those things and teaching that. But the only way you can teach that is to disciple somebody. You can't legislate it. You can't send them a memo. You got to walk with somebody every day so that they can, so that your life, what God has done to you, have become contagious. Thank you, and thank you for sharing as well. I, w I do want to ask one question um, for Faye and Bill tonight. Um, and, and would you speak to why you believe the conversation we are engaging in tonight is the next best step 
for this topic. Um, why this particular family conversation, mainly between the two churches, rather than a more public conversation? Absolutely, I'd love to say that um, this conversation is so important because many times my first experience with understanding this issue of the sister church, Christ community, and Christian fellowship, I didn't have a clue what they were talking about because I felt like all of the conversation was going on at the top with the pastors. And we were getting the filtered part. But with all of us being here tonight, we're hearing this firsthand. Now, the public um, activities that are going on now are good and they are necessary. But I think the church, because we are doing what Christ called us to do. We have to do this a little bit differently. It is easy to have a picnic. And we come together and do it, invite some kids, and we see blacks and whites working together. And then we go our separate ways. That's real easy. But to spend time with each other in each other's homes, that's how we build relationships, getting to really know each other, and even going to Bible study together, knowing what you're praying about and knowing what I'm praying about, they're vastly different. And we have to understand that and appreciate that more. But it takes time. I like to go and visit Christ's community. Christ's community can come and visit us, right? But it's not because you wanna see us do praise and worship real good. We want to see you be organized and start on time real good. <laughs> that's, that's, not, exactly that's not right. it at all. That is not it feedback. at all. <laughs> it is really about the love of Christ that we have in each other. But let me say this. In reference to we, when the Bible says we should be reconciled, nobody tell us how to do it. They just say, we should do it. We can't do it separate, so we have to do it together. And it's going to take time. And I've been in this for 10 years now with Christ Community, right? Mm -hmm. We started Leewood when you all just had one little campus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but let me also be honest with you. I didn't have white friends for years because of my experience. I'm from Texas, so I'll just quote on that. And so I decided Sunday had nothing to do with Monday because I was only trying to make a living. But Christ can make the difference and Christ can transform. Now I can truly say I do have a few white friends. I didn't have them before because that was by choice. But I do have a few white friends and that is because if the world is going to come to us, we don't need to be sick. We don't need to be the racist. We don't need to be separate. We need to be together, and that's going to take time. So I think that this night is really important and that we will be challenged in what the next steps are. Mm -hmm. We will. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and so I do want to ask you a question, Bill. Um, I would love to hear from you 
about maybe speaking to a time when cultural differences came up, I guess, in the work with the church and how you were able to handle that and how you were able to create connection in that, if that was possible. Yeah, that's a great, you know, actually the story that, that comes to mind when I think about just cultural difference and connection and the difference actually that having a relationship with uh, a church um, that's predominantly African-American, a different uh, culture and race than Christ's community um, is, I, I remember, and I, at Stanley probably remember, we had some emails. And so uh, some of you may know uh, my, my dad is a police officer in St. Louis. And so in the midst of, of Ferguson and then some of the, um, even the killing of police officers later on and some of those incidents, being able to process that with Stan, who's a police chaplain here in Kansas City, um, was so helpful to, to be able to have someone who I had enough relationship with to trust, mm -hmm. to say, this is what I'm feeling in this mm -hmm. moment. And for Stan to say, yeah, I, I hear that. And, mm -hmm. and this is what in my congregation members are wrestling with and how do we pastor well together mm -hmm. in the midst of that was incredibly powerful for me. Um, in, in walking through those events, you know, listening to my dad and hearing the fear, the frustration that as someone in that kind of work, living that out, but then also being able to say, but how do I, how do I pastor well? Um, and not having to do that in an isolated context or just reading the media, reading the stories, being able to say, I'm going to call Stan and we're going to email and talk about processing that together. And so I think beginning to see some of those pieces, um, together in conversation have been incredibly helpful, not only personally, but in being a more effective pastor in our city in these moments where, yeah, it's hard to know what to do and how to um, encourage people and, and shepherd people well as a pastor. So I mean, that's just one, one example, but in some of these key moments lately in, in culture to be able to process that together um, with Christian fellowship, but you can't manufacture that in a moment. I mean, that's the fruit of 15 years and longer than I've been here. And so I'm really grateful for that relationship um, that's been, uh, you know, it's not quite multi-generational yet, but it's, it's getting there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And just to piggyback off of that, if, if you will, um, being a member of Christ Community Shawnee Campus, we are, um, or I'll say my family, my husband and my daughter, we are the only African-American family at that particular congregation, which um, can be interesting at times because um, while we love um, going to the church and, and being fed, we can clearly experience it, the differences that we do have mm. that makes it kind of difficult to really feel that connected acceptance and feeling of belonging that we need, um, particularly in, in the home of Christ. And what does that really look like to share with one another and allow those differences to be a part of those conversations? But not only that, to actually accept one another in our differences so that we don't necessarily have to shut any part of ourselves down or mm -hmm. reject ourselves or reject each other. Mm -hmm. I do think that it's really, really important for us to be able to continue having these conversations in these moments um, when, when we don't understand because it can be very difficult to understand. So what's important is to be able to listen and to learn and to understand one another and begin sharing and opening up spaces like this so that we can have these conversations. So thank you so much for sharing that. I do have um, one more question as far as practical things. What do you guys up here think are some practical things we can do to deepen our partnerships? Um, 
what are the next steps do you think we need to take? So, um, Dr. Emerson, if we can start with you. So I think, um, as Anthony was describing how this all came together, um, you said something like this, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but either we're not going to date or we're going to get married. And that's exactly right. I mean, uh, the problem that happens mostly is that churches or people get excited and think, yes, we need to come together. They come together, and then just like in marriage, you hit rough spots after the honeymoon. And then people say, I tried, but it's really frustrating, and they don't seem to care, or they don't understand me, or they said something bad, and I'm just trying to do a good thing here, and it breaks apart. So you have to think of it as marriage. Yes, you'll have rough times, but I'm not going away. And it's that deep, deep relationship that will ultimately cause... I mean, it's, it's an ultimate witness, really. Look at these church churches working together, and they don't stop working together. Uh, I would say uh, two things at two levels. Um, I'm generalizing, so I could be wrong about some of you guys, but white people trust what's written. And black people don't have privilege to write. So I think what we need to do is Dr. Emerson and I need to publish something together. <laughs> but we won't write it with that <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so that you have views that people will look at from both sides of the spectrum. Uh, but no, I, I said that, I mean that, but I said that, uh, really. I said that to say that I, I do think that I've had a lot of conversations with some of my white friends, and they'll say, well, let me, let me look, or where did you get that from? Well, they'll feel like once it's written, then it's like God Jr. Uh, but, but if you just talk about it, then it has no credibility to it. So I, so I think that the black voice, the black Christian voice needs to be stronger among what's written for evangelicals. Um, on the most practical levels, I think that we have to have a setup, like we gotta talk about this kind of stuff and answer those kinds of questions because us as leaders, it's easy for us, you know, I mean, you know me getting along with Tom and hanging out with Kevin and, and, and kicking it the way we do, uh, that's easy to do, we can love it and we can love each other, but we do know that we have a home in heaven and every year we kind of get closer to that real estate. So, so we gotta be contagious enough to where it happens at every level. And I think we gotta keep talking about how we make that happen. And uh, we gotta try stuff knowing that we're gonna fail until we get it right. I just think one of the things, I think what Faye is saying on a really blocking and tackling level, it's an ongoing need is having some relationships with each other in each other's homes, having some, that's not all, but that is so foundational as brothers and sisters in Christ. So I think for all of us, one of the takeaways is there an initiative to truly spend time getting to know one another in a fellowship relational context. So that might seem axiomatic and obvious, but I think that's really for more of us to do that. Um, and then secondly, I, I, you're praying this, I think there's incredible opportunity to be the body of Christ in helping think through how do we build economic capacity for the vulnerable, the marginalized, the excluded. And uh, there's something really opportune, not only in terms of where we are as a culture, where our economy is, but the church to truly enter this space with a sense of humility and love and how do we work together to uh, really address the importance of the dignity of a human being and, and their vocation and their, their value creation. There's incredible need and opportunity for synergistic cooperation. Uh, a, a picture I have 
over and over again, and I, because uh, I grew up in a very poor context. It was white, but it was very poor. But one of the times when I sat in this, this new book uh, <laughs> is, is the church potluck. I mean, I, I get tears in my eyes. I didn't feel poor one time of the year, and that was Fourth of July potluck, because we all came together and we had a feast. No, I mean, I'm just, and there is something powerful about that that uh, I just want to encourage us that all of us have things to bring to that potluck table and uh, there's richness in that mutual sharing and opportunity so it's a little more than you wanted but I, I think of the potluck I've always thought of that and it's the it's no one feels poor in a potluck right. no right right something beautiful there but there's a lot we could do together to bring that potluck together as churches okay. um, uh, let me just say and I'm thinking of how we all started meeting and even getting to this date. And uh, one thing that I think that we need to really continue to work hard at is um, including gifts and gender. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times our male Christians come to the front. Mm -hmm. But I'm in there for the sisters. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> We have to give the voice of the entire congregation. And, uh, and I'm so blessed to be able to say that uh, tonight and that we will work hard that when we look at putting things together that we intentionally say when we have all age, all race, all gender, and the gifts working together. Good word. I think one thing that has been helpful, and I'm just such a learner in the midst of this conversation, but thinking through if we want to deepen our partnership, which is even the conversation title for tonight, um, we have to begin with something like this where we're, uh, Stan and I and, and Gabe were doing a video and we talked about just what does it look like to experience, we're walking the same path, but both feet need to be experiencing the same thing. And so this is a bit of a, a beginning point to say, what are, how are different ones of us experiencing life, cultural um, realities differently because of, of the race that God has made us? Mm -hmm. um, but then two, to move beyond that, to say, what are concrete actions that we can begin to do together? Mm -hmm. um, because the goal isn't just to be racially unified. The goal is to bring people to a knowledge and completion of discipleship in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Only a goal of that magnitude that we can work on together uh, is going to get us to the place where we need to go. And so um, as we can begin to think through what are, what are the concrete steps to make effective, influential, integral, disciples of Jesus in Kansas City and what how are we going to leverage our unique privilege and opportunity together to do that um, so having that bigger picture framework that this isn't just about us being reconciled to one another though that's vital but ultimately about all of humanity being reconciled to, to Jesus and how are we working together in our reconciliation to to do that work yeah Thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. And just really quickly to um, top all of this off, I, I guess what I'm hearing is that a lot of this is really about building relationships, getting to know one another, in which how do you do that and what does that look like and what does it require? And it requires a lot of courage. 
It requires a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, of curiosity and a willingness to learn.